Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 16? John chapter 16. And we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, if you would, prepare to turn over to John chapter 7. We're actually going to look at several different scriptures this morning. And this is my prayer for you. We're talking today about the fullness of the Spirit, intimacy with God, actually knowing God in your own soul, in your own heart. So here's Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16. He's, he's talking about the Holy Spirit now. He's leaving and will be sending the Holy Spirit. And in verse 7 of chapter 16, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, and by now we know it's the Holy Spirit he's talking about, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this is incredible when you think about it. Imagine being one of the disciples, and Jesus is saying, Hey guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to be going away. But it's actually to your, for your good, to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, then I'll be able to send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, let's be honest. Haven't you and I oftentimes said, well, you know, if I could actually see Jesus and be physically with Jesus, if I would have been living back in those days and I could have followed Jesus around and maybe give him a big hug and actually see him bodily, physically, and do all the things, man, I would have been a great Christian back then. I would have really believed. I would have been all in because, you know, it's kind of tough today. You know, not having, you, know, you can't really see God, see Jesus and, and all this. And Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is going to leave physically. But he says, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so th- this is incredible. Now, why? Well, why would he say this? Well, why would he say this? Well, Several different reasons. We can't even get into them all today. But think about this. When Jesus was in the flesh, in the body, he could only be in one place at one time. But after he ascended to heaven and then he pours out the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and he comes back to us in Acts chapter 2, now he can be in every single one of us. And you look at the book of Acts and you see how the early church exploded because Jesus, he leaves in Acts 1, he comes back by the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, he's now in them, and the church now, the people of God, become his body, the body of Christ. And you and I are each now the body, and and we get to be part of the body of Christ, and we get to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. And now Jesus can be touching the world through many different hands and through many different bodies. And you see in the book of Acts, the early church just explode across the Roman Empire. And we know from history it exploded across the world. And and here we are today with so many believers all around the globe today. So Jesus says, it's to your advantage that that I'm going away. Do you understand that having the Holy Spirit, having Jesus in you, is actually better than having Jesus physically standing next to you? I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? And yet this is exactly what Jesus says. So now turn with me. I want to kind of jump from that now to over in chapter 7, John chapter 7. And let's talk about the Holy Spirit and, and how it's actually better for us that we have the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, let's pick it up in verse 37. Here is Jesus, and he's in Jerusalem now. And it's the Jewish festival of tabernacles or booths 
And I'll explain that in a minute. And there, there are thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem for this week-long festival. Verse 37 of John 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now think of this. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John says, by this he meant the Spirit. The feast that's referred to here is the Feast of Tabernacles. It was one of three major festivals. People would come to Jerusalem, and they would stay in Jerusalem about a week, and they would build these little tabernacles, these little booths, these little huts. And they would, it's kind of like camping out. And they, they did this for a week. You'd say, why would they do that? They were commemorating how God through Moses had brought the Israelites out of Egypt through the wilderness and to the promised land. And remember how they wandered around in the desert for like 40 years. And they, they were like nomads. They were homeless, basically. And they would build these little shelters, these little huts, these little booths or tabernacles. And so they, they were reliving that past experience and they were thanking God for taking them out of Egypt to the Holy Land and, and they were thanking God for supplying water out there in the wilderness, out in the desert. And it, it also had a spiritual significance because not only did they need physical water, but, but they also, they, they needed, uh, they had a, a spiritual thirst to be quenched. And so what happened during this Feast of Tabernacles is a priest would take water, a big pitcher, a golden pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam. Now, just a couple of months ago, some of us were there, and we got to see part of the, the pool of Siloam and the Gihon Spring and Hezekiah's Tunnel uh, that connects the two. It's just incredible to actually be there and read some scripture and, and be on location there. And so he, here they are in Jerusalem. And, and, a, and a priest would take a pitcher of water from the pool of, of Siloam, and, and then they would have like a festival. They would have a parade, a bunch of people around, and they would, they would carry this, this pitcher of water to the temple, and then they would pour out the water on the altar. And while they were doing that, they would be singing songs and praising God uh, and remembering how God had provided water for them in the desert through all their desert, desert wanderings. And how God, through the prophets, would, had promised them that one day a Messiah would come who would quench their spiritual thirst. They did this each day of the Feast of Tabernacles, once a day. And then on the seventh day, the last and greatest day of the feast, the priest did that seven times. Seven times, just like Joshua and the Israelites marching around Jericho seven times. So it was exactly at this moment, on this last and greatest day of the feast, John tells us, when the crowds would have been huge, Jesus stands up and he shouts out to the crowds, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John, almost like in a parenthesis, says, by this he meant the Spirit. 
whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Imagine the boldness of Jesus. What kind of person would do this? I mean, here they are remembering how God had delivered the ancient Israelites through Moses over a thousand years earlier. And all this symbolism of water, you know, God providing water for them and how one day they would have their spiritual thirst quenched as well. And Jesus stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Wow. This is yet yet another reason why I say You only have two options with Jesus. You have to say he was a liar, a crazy man, a lunatic, or you have to say he's really, truly God in the flesh. Because a mere man couldn't say things like this, come to me, and and, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink, and and, and I will cause this living water to flow from within you. I ask you this morning, are you thirsty? I mean, are you empty? Are, are, Are you trying to quench your spiritual thirst? With all kinds of stuff. I I tell you, what you need this morning is is the fullness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, can become within you like a bubbling spring welling up within you. And you say, but Craig, how? How can I experience this fullness of of the Spirit, this intimacy with God? I'm going to suggest four things to you this morning that come right out from the different texts here. But but notice, first of all, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you need to drink of the Spirit. You need to drink of the Spirit. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And John tells us, by this he meant the Spirit. So drink of the Spirit. Come to Jesus and drink. Now, Now, Jesus loved metaphors. Remember in another occasion he said, I am the bread of life. Feed on me. And now he says, you know, come to me if you're thirsty and drink. And so, so he's the living water that we need. You say, Greg, I've already come to Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. Okay, but are you drinking? And I don't mean alcohol. I mean the Spirit. We're going to talk about alcohol in just a second. But, but are you drinking of the Spirit? You know, doctors tell us, our, our medical doctors, they actually tell us that physically most of us are dehydrated most of the time. We're not drinking enough. You know this, right? We need to drink more often. We don't have enough water. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. And, and I, I believe that many of us are spiritually dehydrated. How long has it been since you have taken, have taken a, a deep, refreshing drink of Jesus? Where Jesus, through His Spirit, has quenched your spiritual thirst. This is what he promises. Now, some churches like the Pentecostal church, they teach you that you need two crisis experiences in your life. They teach first, you come to Jesus and you get saved and you ask for forgiveness of your sins. That's when you become a Christian. But then later, you need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that's when you get the fullness of the Spirit. And the evidence of being baptized by the Spirit is that you will speak in tongues or another language that you've never learned, the way they did in Acts chapter 2. Now, we don't have time to, to debate and get into all of that, but I, I want you to know, I, over the years, I, and I have many uh, good, wonderful Pentecostal friends who believe exactly this. 
But I, I have to tell you, I don't think that is a proper interpretation. I disagree with that. I think a careful reading of the New Testament will show that you cannot use the events in the book of Acts to create a template or a paradigm for all Christians all the time everywhere. For example, if you're going to insist that speaking in tongues is evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, then why not the wind and the fire? Remember in Acts chapter 2, when, the whole, when Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit upon the, the early church in Acts 2? They, 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 there was wind, there was fire, and they were speaking in tongues. Why well, pick just one of the three? You see? I believe when you really look at the New Testament, it teaches that when you come to Jesus, you're also baptized in the Spirit. If you have Jesus, you also have the Spirit. You cannot even become a Christian without the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. The Holy Spirit awakens you and makes you aware of the truth of Jesus Christ, gives you a thirst and a hunger for Jesus. And we see this over and over again in, in the letters of the Apostle Paul. In Romans 8, for example, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So you see... He says it, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not even belong to Christ. So if you're a Christian, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. However, and this is a huge however, you need to drink of the Spirit constantly. Otherwise, you become dehydrated. This is one of our biggest problems today, dehydrated Christians. See, you don't have the Spirit flowing in you. You're dehydrated. This is why Jesus said in Luke 11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, you and I, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. And keep asking. It's even in the present tense there. Keep asking. Keep drinking. It's the only way to remain full of the Spirit. And I know that, that that's the second thing already is to keep drinking. But before we get to, to point number two, uh, I, I want you to see one something else. Did you notice how John says here, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What does he mean? Is John saying here that the Holy Spirit didn't exist yet? Is he saying here that the Holy Spirit wasn't at work? With well, no, of course, we know the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He has existed eternally forever. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you look in the Hebrew Scriptures and you see the Spirit of God active in, in all kinds of places. So it's not what, what he means. So what he means is he's talking about Pentecost here. In Acts chapter 2, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit upon his church in fullness for all of God's people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain individuals. It came upon Samson, came upon David, came upon Saul to perform certain great deeds that the Lord wanted done. The Holy Spirit would come upon people, but not until after the cross, after the resurrection, after the ascension, did Jesus pour out His Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 in fullness upon His church, upon all 
his followers. Now, a minute ago I said I disagreed with the Pentecostals in their teaching of first receive Jesus, then later receive the Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues. I said that I believe that you receive Jesus and the Spirit at the same time, and you don't have to speak in tongues. However, got to give you another however. They, they have a good point. The Pentecostals have a good point. And it's this. There are two fundamental experiences in being a Christian. There's forgiveness of sins, and there's fullness of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness of sins, fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot have the fullness of the Spirit until you first have forgiveness of sins. This is why John says the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Referring to the cross, resurrection, his ascension to heaven. Jesus had to first die on the cross for our sins so you and I could be forgiven of our sins. He died an atoning death for our sins. And then he could pour out his Holy Spirit upon us and give us the fullness of the Spirit. So there is a one, two. There is a first and second. First forgiveness of sins, then fullness of the Spirit. So you say, well, Greg, well, how does this apply in my life? Well, a couple of ways. Here's one. God will not give you the fullness of his Spirit until you're first forgiven and cleaned up. It's like you saying, I'm not moving into that house. <laughs> I got to clean it up first. That house is way too dirty. I'm not moving in. See, God, the Holy Spirit won't move into your house, into your soul, into, into you until you're first forgiven and reconciled and cleaned up. Then he gives you the Holy Spirit in his fullness. So first is forgiveness. Then comes the fullness of the Spirit. So I ask you, are you thirsty? It's possible that you're forgiven. Maybe you came to Jesus a long time ago, but the truth is you're dehydrated. The Spirit's kind of leaked out a long time ago. And you need to drink. Come to Jesus and drink. And number two, keep on drinking. Keep on drinking. Keep on drinking of the Spirit. Otherwise, you will become dehydrated. Now turn with me to Ephesians 5. And I want to unpack Ephesians 5. And we can pick it up in verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Here the Apostle Paul, he refers to the Holy Spirit often throughout his letters. And here's what he says. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, don't, don't become controlled and dominated and influenced by wine and alcohol, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Be influenced by the Spirit. Not by the spirits, the alcoholic spirits, but by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And what I want you to see here is that there are two commands and there are five participles. And it's not that obvious in the NIV translation. So let me kind of bring it out to you. There's two commands and five participles here when he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. The two commands, do not get drunk on wine. That's the negative. Don't get drunk on wine. And then the positive, be filled with the Spirit. And so this is his main point. Be filled with the Spirit. And notice it's a command. 
And in the Greek, you would know that it's also plural. It's for all of us. So it's not a suggestion, and it's not just for a few of us. It's a command, and it's for all of us. Be filled with the Spirit. And then he has five participles. I'll I'll bring them out to you. Beginning in verse 19. here's, Here's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Here's what happens to you when you're filled with the Spirit. Verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the heart. Singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father. For everything. So here we have speaking and singing and making music. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the fifth one. And and I really dislike how the NIV has put a new heading here. Instructions for Christian households. And starts talking about husbands and wives. And you get into that submit thing. Because in verse 21. Submit is the fifth participle. The fifth and final participle. Going back to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another, singing, making music, always giving thanks, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The command, be filled with the Spirit. And here's what happens when you are filled with the Spirit. My goodness. You, you are, you're, 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 you're positive emotion. You have healthier relationships. You're giving thanks instead of complaining and whining and griping. You're submitting to one another and getting along so much better instead of just butting heads with each other all the time. This is what your life looks like when you're filled with the Spirit. Healthy relationships, positive emotions, a willingness to submit and and get along. And this is what the church should be. So if you go back to John, the Gospel of John, and especially chapters 14, 15, 16, repeatedly Jesus is saying, guys, I'm going to be leaving. You're not going to see me after a little while here. But I, and I'm going back to the Father, but don't worry. It's for your advantage. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Helper, the Counselor. And, and sure enough, that happens in Acts chapter 2. And you see the early church just explode across the Roman Empire. How could they? Because they were, they were so filled with the presence of Jesus... They were so filled with the Holy Spirit, and it affected their speaking, how they spoke to one another. They were singing, making music in the heart, giving thanks. They were submitting to one another. They had such healthy relationships, positive emotions, and and an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. And it was so contagious that people just kept saying, hey, can I get in on that? Can I get in on that? Imagine churches. Here you and I are. Imagine churches all around the world. Imagine our church so filled with the presence of Jesus, so filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we're the body of Christ, remember? He had a physical body at one time, but then he left. But now he comes back, and now through the Spirit, he fills you and you and you and you, and he fills me. And now here we are, the body of Christ. And individually, we're bodies of Christ, but together we're to be the body of Christ, And Jesus wants to touch this world and bless this world. And people should look at us and see this kind of speaking and singing and positive relationships and healthy attitudes. And they go, wow, that is winsome. That is attractive. Can I get in on that? This is what the Holy Spirit is really after. And now here's something else that's very important. And it's the third way. So you need to come to Jesus and drink. Secondly, you need to keep drinking. Otherwise, you get dehydrated. It's not just one and done thing. 
It's like every day of your life, for the rest of your life, growing, learning, drinking more. I mean, you can't say, well, I'm just going to drink a huge jug of water and then I don't have to drink till next month. No, no, no. You got to drink every day, several times a day. Same with the Spirit. You got to keep drinking. And thirdly, don't grieve the Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 4, we just were in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Now, if you turn back a chapter and go to Ephesians 4, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve a rock. You can't grieve, I can't grieve that piano. I could play it in such a way that might grieve you. But I, you know, I, you can't grieve a thing. You, you, only a person can be grieved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. See, if you're not experiencing healthy relationships, positive emotions, an attitude of gratitude and submitting to each other, like he says in Ephesians 5, maybe it's because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, don't do that, and you do it anyway. Or the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this, and you don't do it. And you grieve the Holy Spirit. You make him sad. And then you wonder why you don't have the joy of the Lord. Listen, I believe this is something that we've lost somewhere along the way. I believe that every day you and I, as we have our, hopefully it's at least a few minutes, and hopefully it's much longer, but hopefully you have some time every day where you are reading Scripture and you're praying and you're talking with the Lord. And a part of that prayer time and Scripture reading time is confession. Confession. When's the last time you confessed any shortcoming or any sin to the Lord, let alone anybody else? See, every day... You and I should come and reflect on our lives, maybe reflect on our behavior and attitudes that day and say, Holy Spirit, have I grieved you today? In my relationships, in my attitude, have I grieved you today? And you confess your shortcomings. You confess your missteps. You confess your sins. Do you do that? We need to do that, really, every day. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, remember? Our Father who art in heaven. He, he goes on to say, and forgive us our trespasses. We, we need to confess our sins. Otherwise, we're grieving the Spirit. I believe this is huge. Could it be you have no intimacy with God or very little intimacy with God because you have no confession going on? You're grieving the Spirit. You don't even take time to drink of the Spirit every day. And then number four, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a metaphor. This walk idea of walking is like, here I am. I'm walking through life. I'm going through life. It has to do with my conduct, how I behave myself as I walk through life. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, it is possible for you to have forgiveness of sins, 
to invited Christ into your life and the Holy Spirit's in you, but you're dehydrated, you're grieving the Spirit, and you're not really walking by the Spirit. You're walking by you. You're walking by your own sinful desires. And that's why your relationships are getting messed up. That's why your attitudes are negative rather than positive. Isn't it time? Drink of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. I ask you today, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Come to Him and drink. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, we're sorry. We are sorry when we've just gone through the motions. We're sorry when we just sang another song. Take us back to where we started. We open up our hearts to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.